at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is one of the most humbling experiences because it's like a visceral place where we learn that it's not about us as the entrepreneur, that it's about the customer and what's in their best interests. Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hello, Freedom Nation. It's Jeff here once again with another episode of the Freedom Nation podcast. And I am excited today to interview Parker Harris. Uh, Parker is a uh, professional mastermind facilitator and, and business guru, helping people and businesses move themselves to that next level. He's got a very interesting story of how he got there and is recently married or in about the last year. And he's going to talk a little bit about the the year-long adventure that he and his wife had. So, Parker, welcome to the show, bud. Thank you. And I hope I'm not letting anyone down in the fact that I'm not a guru. I'm a <laughs> practitioner. Um, that's perfectly fine. I didn't know what to call you, so we'll go with that. And I totally agree with you. I'm an operator, not a policymaker. So that's what I do best. So Parker, tell us a little bit about your history. How did you get to where you're at today? Wow, that's, I mean, I think that's a, there's a long version of that and a short version of that. I think mm-hmm. for the sake of our time, I'll, I'll do this short version. And then if there's anything you want to drill into, we can do that. But I'm someone that w- was fortunate to have two amazing parents who both worked and supported me to be educated and to learn. I figured out that I enjoyed learning at a young age. And then I also enjoyed adding value to others at a young age. So that initially led me to having a variety of different jobs or or ways of earning money before I realized that entrepreneurship was a path that would create freedom to the point of this, this podcast, Freedom Nation. Mm And, and that was interesting to me as well. I, appreciate the fact that in business, people do business with each other based on people doing what they say they're going to do and having substance behind Mm -hmm. that sale. So that attracted me at a young age. And then I iterated through a dozen different projects and businesses by my mid twenties before I realized that bringing together other entrepreneurs and leaders and executives for a personal and professional development experience, also known as a mastermind, was something that was really uh, authentic to me and valuable and something that I was good at doing. So hmm. that's what I've been doing for about 12 years now. And okay. it's been a journey that there's been a lot of ups and downs. And I think at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is one of the most humbling experiences because it's like a visceral place where we learn that it's not about us as the entrepreneur, that it's about the customer and what's in their best interests. And that creates a lot of, I think, personal growth and personal evolution in how one sees the world. Yeah, that's wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about your business. What is it? A lot of people have masterminds. What is it that makes y'all different? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I frankly think there's a lot of things that are called masterminds that aren't actually masterminds. A lot of different conferences and, and group coaching environments that, that get labeled a mastermind, but are really a place to sit and absorb information from a guru <laughs> or some sort of expert or coach. What a mastermind is to me, it's like the Knights of the Roundtable, where yeah. it's a conversation where everybody's an equal. There's no hierarchy. And we have conversations around the things that are most important to us, whether they're opportunities, challenges, ideas, ways to become better entrepreneurs, better leaders, better people. So that's what a mastermind is to me, is a space to, to come together and have conversations around things that are authentically relevant to us and where people have their best, where where the person that's in the hot seat, if you will, or like bringing an opportunity or a challenge, everybody else has their best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. And it's not a space to sing kumbaya and, and tell everyone everything's going to be okay. It's really a place to have uncomfortable conversations and be challenged. And I think that high performing, high achieving people really value that type of experience. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I, I laugh because I've been involved in so many masterminds over the years. And what I've always told people when they've approached me with this, any mastermind concept, I'm like, if I'm going to be the most motivated person in the room, I don't want to be there. I want to be in, with a group of people that are so far ahead of me, it forces me to have to go. And so many people pull these groups together that literally it's anybody that was willing to pay them instead of really putting together that kind of group. So talk to me a little bit about the approach. How do you guys do it? What's unique about it? Yeah. I, I mean, I think my first reaction is it's a space where people can truly be vulnerable. Sometimes these different groups where they're successful people, everybody's got their best self showing. And we really create a space for like that's our sacred cow is like showing up with vulnerability without the mask, which I think sometimes entrepreneurship really needs to create that, those barriers or those boundaries between different complex stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that vulnerability comes to mind. We also do a lot of prep before the mastermind. So okay. it's not just like, all right, like, what are we talking about today? There's a pretty sophisticated, personalized approach that involves one-on-one -on -one touch points with every person in the mastermind okay. in order to figure out what is really relevant to talk about. Like, what are the, what's the high leverage topics? We also have professional facilitation. So a lot of masterminds, it's everybody's a member. And I think there's some benefit to that, but we've seen a lot of benefit in someone that's responsible for bringing everybody's best to create some continuity between conversations mm -hmm. and put together a certain level of thought and preparation to maximize the value, like the time that everybody is investing into that conversation. Because yeah. for our member, the time piece of it is more valuable than the financial investment piece of it. And so that mm -hmm. time needs to be honored. We also focused on holistic success. So as an example, a member who is uh, going to be a father soon will be talking about how to best prepare, prepare to be a father and to how to be the best dad that, that he can be. We'll also explore different topics related to health. We'll explore topics related to personal development. We bring different 
mentors or experts in to support those conversations from time to time as well. So as an example, when the banking crisis was happening about a year ago, mm-hmm. we, we brought in a seasoned banker who had run multiple banks to share what it meant to us. So we do that with different experts outside of entrepreneurship in our core focus mm-hmm. in order to make us more successful in all areas of our life. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, that holistic approach too is just also making you more than that one or two dimensional entrepreneur that's just focused on running their business and that's it and nothing else is going on in their life. I think to Jeff, to add on to that too, is a lot of times people like our member will come in and and they think what they want is more money, like more revenue, more profit, more customers. And I can, I can understand that completely. What we normally see is the breakthrough that leads to more customers and and more money is Mm -hmm. not always like a business strategy or tactic, but often there's something deeper underlying it that's preventing the person from solving that problem themselves. Our our members are all successful, smart people. So if they know the problem, they can often solve it Mm -hmm. on their own. I think what masterminds are uniquely good at doing is helping to discover what the real problem is. Sometimes Mm like often what we see is the problem people think they have is not root cause is not like the deeper problem. And then once people understand our quality of our life is determined by the quality of our questions. So through exploring quality questions, people are able to almost hear the answer for themselves, but they just weren't asking the right question. Yeah, exactly. Now, is that something that, you know, especially those real vulnerable type things like that, is that something that you might go into that facilitated session with the facilitator kind of getting things started, but is it really trying to, the the entire group trying to pull that out of that person who's in the hot seat? Or Yeah, absolutely. The facilitator's goal is to speak as little as possible to okay. guide a conversation and it's leveraging the brain trust and mastermind of the other successful people in the conversation versus again, a group coaching environment, which is to me an entirely different thing. Hmm. Absolutely. So who is your typical, when you have somebody that let's just say, who's that avatar of the, the client that you bring into your groups? Yeah, so it's an entrepreneur that's already achieved a level of success where they're, they have traction. Sometimes that traction shows up in revenue. Sometimes that shows up in a certain amount of like investment earned, like, like money raised. So we do bootstrapped and venture-backed companies. Often there's a team involved, a team of, let's say, more than five people. So there's a complexity that gets added there. And then we also have been very successful with entrepreneurs that have sold their business within the last like two years or so, and they're trying to figure out what is next. Mm -hmm. Excellent. You just got married about a year ago, right? Yeah, October 2022. Congratulations. Congrats. What, What have you guys been doing for the last year up till yesterday? Yeah, so... Yeah, a lot. We got back. So after living together in San Diego for many years, we decided to move everything into storage and to travel the world, living in a new city every month to see if we found home outside of San Diego. 
Okay. So it took us through 16 countries, a little over 20 cities visited, and and not doing the kind of the more traditional tourist experience, but doing like really seeking to live in the culture and experience it as a local. And yeah, it was wonderful. I, I feel like traveling for me created a lot of neuro like this is the nerd. I, I started studying what was happening because I could feel it. it was it created neuroplasticity for me and like yeah. the ability to really evolve in a way that staying in my comfort zone didn't allow for. Yeah. Now, were you going places that mostly spoke English or were you going places that you had to learn the language to on top of it? Or Yeah, both. So we experienced both. We spent some time in Nashville and Dallas and Cheyenne and London and some places where English is fairly accessible. And, and then we got off the beaten track as well and spent some time in Romania and North Macedonia and Montenegro and Bulgaria and places like that. We spent a good amount of time in Italy and Portugal and Spain and Greece and uh, Prague, which I I fell in love with. Some places spoke English better than other places, but I was surprised. There's a lot of, this isn't a new idea, but how easy it was to communicate with people without speaking the language, because I think a lot of language is done through body language and tone. And so Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't really a challenge anywhere. And then Google Translate is the worst option or the last case, the last tool in case everything else fails. But yeah, I was also surprised with, we spent 12 months traveling in, in a variety of different environments and cities and places and situations. And not once did we feel unsafe. Yeah. Um, the world is really doing well, in my opinion. And when I'm on YouTube or, or watch the news, it doesn't feel like that sometimes. Yeah. So I'm very hopeful and optimistic for the future based on everything I experienced. The funniest thing is that we just got back in December from two weeks over in Europe, went to Prague, Germany, London. We were in London twice last year. And I'm like, I feel safer there than I do in my own city sometimes. Because, I mean, it's just they've got good police forces. They believe in law and order. And, I mean, sometimes we, we don't necessarily do that as much in our country. So it, it's interesting to be there. And I think for people that are thinking about or one of their big goals or their bucket list items is to go overseas and travel, you shouldn't be scared. Yeah, yeah. And there's never a right time to do such a thing. It's always uncomfortable. But once... For us, once we started doing it, it became like, why would we stop doing it? So I think it's one of those things we got to just rip the bandaid off, for lack of a better way of saying it, or just, and it's amazing what's out there. I I fell in love with North Macedonia, which Hmm. is a country that I had never even really heard of. And in North, it's a very friendly country. It's a very beautiful place, a very fertile place. And we can get a, a three-bedroom penthouse apartment for $1,000 a month yeah. there. So it, it makes me, after that experience, it made me think of what where else is out there that I haven't heard of. Maybe because yeah. North Macedonia is not in the European Union. It's one of the fir- few yeah. European countries that's not in the EU. So I think there's not a lot of incentives to spread the word about it. 
And I, I think there's probably a lot of places throughout the world that are in a similar boat that are just amazing and beautiful and friendly and have a rich culture and great food and a high quality of life that just haven't been put on the, the map yet. I mean, it, even Prague, I mean, it's so funny. They're part of the European Union. They're not part of the monetary system. But it's so funny because they still... It's like they're it's like they're the little brother to Europe, so they have a little bit of a complex that way. But I I love their just I guess entrepreneurial spirit. It's one of the coolest places I've ever seen. I mean, they get it better than anybody else. And having been to Italy and some of the other southern European countries, I'm like, you guys need to take a little bit of a yeah, y'all don't want to let them into the into the European Union and into the monetary system, but I, I, they actually will figure it out better than you think you they will. Yeah, but I mean, Prague was like an adult Disneyland. It's a very special place, and there's a lot of freedom in in different parts of Europe. That's it is a very like live live and let live vibe that I'm grateful for. Plus, Prague, it seemed like anytime I tried to speak Czech, they wanted to speak English, probably because my Czech is so incredibly bad. But but definitely was one of the coolest places. I agree. Absolutely gorgeous place. And the good part is they were so far in and such a cultural backwater in, in the Eastern Bloc that the Russians didn't come in and destroy the town and make it look like 1960s architecture everywhere, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly Excellent. beautiful. Amsterdam's like that as well. And yep, it's cool to like have lived like to live a life where you know when i watch a movie it's like yeah i've been there like i yeah. like i see that i've been there and and it's different than living life through a movie or through tvs it's fun too to we're big watchers of travel shows and stuff like that and so it's also fun to watch the travel show go there and then watch the travel show again and go oh yeah i remember that oh yeah we were there oh that was terrible yeah, they made it seem way better than it actually was. So yeah, it's fun from that perspective. Definitely. What's new in your world? What's now that you're back in the game or are you staying in San Diego or are you, did you find the place? Yeah. I mean, San Diego is such a beautiful place. Like we were, one of the things that travel did for me was I've heard about the idea of being present for so yeah. long. So it's almost like a cliche thing to say, but for me, that adventure really allowed me to be present. And I'm still at a place where I'm just enjoying the moment, enjoying where I'm at and not putting pressure on myself to figure out what's next yet. Yeah. I think some of those thoughts always creep in or it's maybe just human nature to, to consider like what's next. So likely we'll, Spend some time here, re reconnecting with family and friends before heading down to South America for a while. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of reasons we are interested in, in heading back to Europe as well. We, we qualify for some different visas that, that we could have some extended periods of time there, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think what came up for me from the journey was not forcing myself to choose like one place for forever, but now drill into some of these places that I fell in love with for longer periods of time, three to six months, see if it really, if it was just like a romantic month there, or if I would actually want to live there for longer periods of time. And yeah, we could potentially pick up a few flats throughout the world and, and just split time in between them. Sure. Yeah, I know. That's my wife and I, that's our five-year plan is 
to be able to do that where it's like, okay, you have one place that's your, your roots, but, but you can live around the world and in different places and not always the same place. I mean, I don't necessarily have to own the property. Like you said, you could pick up a flat for a thousand bucks in some places in Europe that you wouldn't think that you'd be able to, and it's a beautiful place. So totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it leads to some of those conversations too, that around like in financial investments, where, where is money best, best leveraged, and how does that change in, in different locales? How does it stay the same in different locales? And what's that path to true freedom? Yeah, honestly, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let's jump into the fast five questions. Sounds good. All right. First question, you wake up in the morning, business is gone. You have a laptop computer, 500 bucks in your pocket, a place to live, food and clothing. What do you do first? So I've lost the financial assets that I have yes. as well. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's a great question. I think there's a few different things that come to mind for me. One is I believe I could start another business similar to the one that I have with that type of, with the network that I have and with a skill set that I have. So that might be, that would probably be option one. I also think that I could... I've been recruited by members and different people to become CEO or an executive within their company. So I think I could take on a leadership role within within a startup or within like a small to medium-sized business mm-hmm. and do very well, both like having a positive impact on that business as well as like the financial side of that. And worst case scenario is I could get into to sales, like sales for a of a higher price point product or service and probably start making multiple six figures pretty quickly. Awesome. Great idea. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Yeah, just just, just to like touch go back to that last one and real quick. Scratch that reverse. Is I think no, it, like part of the journey of entrepreneurship becomes like how to self-lead, like how to self-direct, sure. like how to choose priorities, how to get things done without being managed or led. And that's something that school just fundamentally does not prepare us for. School is no. almost the opposite, right? Where it's like, hey, here's the syllabus. Here's your course schedule. Here's off time. Here's on time. This is how you're successful. Where business, you don't, no one's really creating that for you. And it's also a little bit different based on your business and where, where that, where you're at in that journey, what assets are in place financially, network wise. So I think one of the gifts of learning to run a business and going over that 10 year mark is being a self-directed individual. And that's so rare in this world that there's always a multi six figure opportunity for that person because there's so many business owners and entrepreneurs that get to a certain point where they're looking for a a plan a, a succession plan right mm-hmm. and there, there's literally no one to take over that business yeah and it's a real problem now that I don't think enough young people are ready for that opportunity and so certain people are going to have more like be able to leverage that and maximize that opportunity more than people that are just waking up Monday dreading it can't not wait until Friday you know working but not maybe working all out right because they don't have to mm-hmm. and and yeah like 
I think that's one of the gifts that the entrepreneurial journey provides where at a certain point that person can become so valuable that they never really have to worry about what happens if everything falls apart because they can add so much value to a variety of people that the supply and demand is like off, right? There's just not enough of those people Mm -hmm. and the demand is so high for that type of person that there's really nothing to fear. Yeah. And I mean, you've got the the baby boomer generation that's starting to transition out of build, you know, businesses they built. And my generation coming behind, we're the smallest generation. They're the largest generation. We have the least amount of businesses. They have the most amount as a percentage of, of the group. And they uh, th- there's going to be a lot of people, I think, that are going to be sorely disappointed that they weren't able to transition their business because they didn't really prepare it for the future. Yeah, that's it's very difficult to do to prepare a business to one be sold or to mm-hmm. run more not autonomously but without the yeah. direct guidance and effort of the owner or principal. Absolutely. All right, second question. What's your biggest business mistake? Yeah, so I think that they're related, but for me, I had really strong ideas of what my business should look like, who we should serve. And I just, I spent a lot of time building in the ivory tower, if you will, like in Mm. in an isolated way versus listening to my customers and listening to them in a way that I was actually listening versus like, oh yeah, yeah, I hear you. And this is what I want to do, right? (laughs) And so, yeah, I think that slowed growth for many years because Mm. I was like trying to do what I thought was right versus what the customers thought was right. And and maybe paradoxically on this, I also would muster in like charging too little is was like mm-hmm. a mistake, right? And instead of going up market or, or charging something that I felt good about, I was like charging based on what the cheapest customer said was acceptable to them. Yeah. And that was a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a mistake a lot of us make. I mean, I talked about that. I've talked about that for years when I would do coaching in areas that weren't necessarily, there were areas I was good at, but not necessarily I was the expert in. And every time I would charge not enough and then I would deliver unbelievable value. And it ended up being this incredible situation for the client. But for me, I'm like, okay, I'm just losing money doing this. I'm not doing it anymore. So either you commit and say, hey, I'm going to ask more And if they tell you no, that's okay, because that's not your client. That person might not be your customer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the hardest things, right? Is like, oh, but they're saying that it can't be more. So this is what it has to be versus like, oh, that's interesting. You're not my, you're not my customer. Right. And absolutely. Some people are going to just ask for more and more for the money they provide them. And some people, their time is so valuable that they're just like, hey, I just want this to be as best as it can be. Mm. And that's a different person. Yeah, absolutely. What's a good book that you'd recommend for our audience? There's, I feel like there's so many good books mm-hmm. out there. It's like hard to, I think one of the hardest things about the book conversation is what is the actual like book that would move the needle for an individual mm-hmm. based on like where they're at. I think that that's something I would recommend is like for people is to really like sharpen that saw. And instead of just reading what Elon Musk <laughs> read this month, yeah, right. Or whoever, right. Like whatever 
book is making noise is like getting really clear about the problem that is really holding someone back. And then what is the appropriate book based on that? Yeah. And I'm hopeful that AI is going to play a bigger role in that. My members and, and friends say that like they call me a book sniper for like that ability to be able to be like, Hey, based on what you're going through, like this is what's relevant to you right mm-hmm. now. And so I think it might be a disservice for me to just like say one book that based without knowing the individual. Yeah. So if someone's, if someone, but I think books can provide a lot of opportunity and leverage and wisdom. So I would really get, I would ask people to almost like start building a habit or a cadence of like reflection and planning where they like plan things out and then they reflect on what actually happened. I heard this is what Methodism is based on, like the religion Methodism, but like essentially just like writing out like what you think is going to happen and then write out what actually happened and look at that difference and figure out what is the, what's the bottleneck? Is it discipline? Is it bad leadership or bad management or sales or, you know, some sort of deeper personal development opportunity to heal from trauma. And I think there's a lot of different elements of business as well as elements of kind of the mindset piece. That's a bit deeper and, and using method, like using this idea of like reflection and planning to start isolating, like what is the real problem that we're solving for? And then, sharpening the saw, if you will, to figure out what is the resource that's relevant to that and cut out all the other noise, right? Yeah. Like there's, I think our brains sometimes just get fed by YouTube videos and, and just different ideas that are more like intellectual masturbation, like I think is the term, like, mm-hmm. like, like an international, like more of like something that creates an instant gratification versus yeah. that actually is useful to move forward the vision. Absolutely. Okay. I'll give you a pass on that one because you gave a girl a perfect way of actually figuring it out, which is a book for you. What's a tool? I'm so happy to provide a book. Yeah. <laughs> Outwitting the devil is my favorite your business book. every day that you might. Uh... It's a valuable tool for me. Okay. Um, it's a software for like note taking, organization, task management. I've really been enjoying the user experience and having like one place where I can put my ideas and thoughts and okay. and organize it based on the complexity of my business and life. Sounds similar to like a, a Evernote type of approach. Yeah, I would say like I, I use I, I used Evernote several years ago. I think it's I think it's probably like five to ten times better. Okay, like. I think Notion can really help a business scale. It can also, it's also good to, on an individual level. I think it's also good for a family. So it's, it can be whatever one makes it or, or wants to be, but it's, it's something that I think more um, savvy entrepreneurs are using in a way that really serves them. I like it. That's a new one. I haven't heard of it. I have to look into it. What is your definition of freedom? For me, it goes back to like doing what I want, where I want, with who I want. Mm-hmm. That kind of like golden, an amazing amount of freedom in, in in life, I think, can happen when we can decide who we're spending our time with, who we're building our business with, 
who 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 do we actually enjoy being around and being around that person one of the things we work with our members on is building a success team for different areas of their life so having a success team for their health having a success team for their finances having a success team for their relationship having a success team for their business having a success team for their personal development and mindset and so that really building being able to build that out like is something that kings were only able to do Right. Yeah. And so to be able to do that as an entrepreneur, to do that earlier in life, it, I think it creates a lot of leverage. And then having that freedom of location and freedom of time and freedom of money, it's it's something I only achieved after I l- learned not like how to master not just making money, but then to making that money work for me. And that's a really special place to be. Yeah, it's awesome. Great answer. So Parker, thank you for being on today. I appreciate you and and certainly you're just a deep thinker and it was wonderful to have the conversation with you. If somebody's interested in learning a little bit more about what you do and all that, where's the best place to go? Yeah, what I would say whatever social media they're most active on, they can find me under Zachary Parker Harris. Okay, perfect. Then everybody, I would say reach out to him and learn a little bit more and see what, what he has to offer. Folks, thank you for joining us. We do these shows for you. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we pop up a show. So make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you are also uh, giving us an upvote or a comment. Let us know that you're out there. So thanks a lot. And we'll see you guys back here the very next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.